Welcome back to the Project Tears podcast. I'm Joe. And I'm Kevin. And after a brief hiatus and meandering about, we're back in action and ready to bring you another bright-eyed, bushy-tailed, and hopefully entertaining episode talking about car projects. So, Kevin. Yes, sir. Have you got anything done on any of your project cars lately? So, updates that I have. I pushed the Scout from the driveway into the garage with intents of finishing up some wiring. Um, I'm looking at either making my own loom for, like, just lighting stuff, so nothing big, but loom or buying uh pain painless has a harness that kind of is for that kind of stuff and i'm kind of dragging my feet on that but that's pretty much where i'm at on that one um so it's in the garage ready out of the snow where it might be halfway decent to work on it so i got that going and oh and i put the pretty wheels that i'll call pretty wheels on the volkswagen and some tires that all hold air so it is nice it is improved nicely there that's awesome um but uh Took the probe out, put it to bed in the middle of a field. And as far as my project cars go, that's about all I've accomplished. Thank you. What was that? Sorry, you've like blipped there. That's all you've accomplished? Oh, I said that's about, that's about all I've accomplished. How about you? Oh, well, after moving out in the middle of nowhere, um, I left all my cars behind. So they're in my dad's field right now. So it's made it logistically more complicated to work on stuff. But um, I dug into the Spitfire and poked around it a little bit, um, trying to get it to run again, because every time I get it to where I can turn the key and start the motor, I decide to change something else. And I think, <laughs> like, I've, I've done redone the motor mounts and the tranny mounts and the uh, upper intake and the alternator, relocated the alternator and changed the upper intake. Anyway, so currently it'll spin over, but it's not wanting to, like, breathe life. So I'm sure one of my, like, 62 temporary grounds is probably worked loose somewhere in the vehicle. Um, but I am scheming up a new upper intake for it because I'm not madly in love with how the current one turned out. Um, other than that, I did put it on the Jeep a little bit. And I got it running. But hey, nice. I still need one more gasket. So I like threw, put together a quick and dirty wiring harness, cleaned up the carb, got all that on there. I forgot to put a return spring on the carburetor. And I forgot that I had taken off the remote oil filter. So when I lit it off, it geysered oil everywhere and tried to hit like <laughs> 9,000 RPM. But I was quick enough and got it shut back down. So I thought I had remedied those problems and realized it's got those goofy side covers that like go over the push rods. And apparently there's no gasket in there either because once I got it started again, it did idle beautifully, but it was like water falling motor oil out of the side of the block. So that's where I left it. So I need like a $4 gasket and like it could just sit there and idle till its heart's content. Um, it nice. needs a gas tank. That's, that's what the Scout does when it's uh, when it's all hooked together. It just sits and idles. <laughs> just sits and idles. So that one I'm kind of itching to get down here so I can play in the hills a little bit because I do have like miles of trails right out my front door. 
Um, I moved the Izetta from one storage location to another. And I successfully wrapped everything up for the winter. So I got the Spitfires wrapped up, the Joasters wrapped up, the Izetta's wrapped up, the Jeep's wrapped up. And I don't know. I think I just left the old Rover and GT6 to their own devices. I tried to sell the GT6 unsuccessfully, so I guess we'll have to hang on to it for another minute. But that's, yeah, well, that's I, my I update. Think we, should, we should build it. We'll sell it from you to, I don't know, like one of my kids. And yeah. uh, since what we need is more projects, right? Mm-hmm. You know, that's... So we got we to get our crap together enough that the GT6 can have hope while we still own it. Can become the first Project Tears project build, right? Yes. We can, we can find one. some loopholes to exploit there or something. Anyway, so... That's you, basically our update. Nothing too yeah, exciting, huh? Nothing too exciting. I mean, if we're coming in winter in Utah, it goes from being like, like fall here is like the most amazing time of year because it's like 70 degrees. The sun plays just right. And then it like, right as you're like super amped to get things done, then it decides it wants to be like 30 degrees sporadically and it's off. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, so yeah, that's, that's the excuse I'm making for the both of us that like once winter hits, it just makes it hard to get anything done. Yeah, that's always my excuse. Summer's too hot, winter's too cold, so I just never get anything done. Yeah, yep. By the time I get amped up in spring, it's halfway through summer, and then I get excited again in fall, and it's time to throw away for winter. So <laughs> I get a solid, you know, three weeks a year of progress on my projects. Um, so you had what I thought was a pretty good idea for a new tangent to pursue with these podcasts. Yes. Care to take us through that real quick? Yep. Yeah. So, so what we're going to try here, our new little uh, segment um, is basically the dream car build off of sorts where since we don't actually work on our real cars and we're very <laughs> temperamental and old and we don't like weather changes, um, imagining a certain type of build, right? So yeah. um, the first one that I thought up, I, I liked the idea of calling it beat the blank, right? And we fill in the blank. The dream car yeah. build off, and we can do that in, in multiple ways, which we will, uh, but this is beat the blank. And the blank in this situation is going to be, well, let me ask you this, Joe. If, yeah. if you want to get into racing, you're me, you think, hey, I like cars. I think, you know, I play video games. I think I could go race. What's the cheapest form of racing? I And we've had this conversation before, but I would say probably autocross because... Autocross, correct. You are from correct. Where I'm, from where I'm coming at, like, as soon as you start looking at, like, SCCA or anything, it becomes pretty highly technical, and there's a lot of related expenses to it as well. True. Where I think, from granted, I've never even been to an autocross event, but my understanding of it is you could pretty much like roll up in your wife's minivan and throw a helmet on and give it a go, right? 
Brett, in funny theory. thing you say that. The last autocross event I went to, I rolled up in my wife's minivan with a bunch of children in it. And oh, they, okay. uh, the cattle, they, they looked at me and I said, where do you want me to park the fast? Or I said, where do the fast cars park? And they just gave me a really weird look. And then I laughed at them. No, I'm just here to watch today. But um, yeah, no, really, that's how it is, right? So that's cheap. Uh, yeah. Cheap kind of entry level, basic, like you pass go karts, you want actual real car, you go to autocross. Okay. So follow up question. If you ask, or if you watch anything on the internet or you look up anything, what is the quintessential cheap autocross car that everybody should learn to drive on according to the internet? I'm going to begrudgingly say the Mazda Miata. <laughs> the because, Mazda Miata, no matter where you can look. I, can I depart on the right? Yeah. Sure. Tangent away. The Mazda Miata is totally a ripoff of a British car. No joke. Okay. Lotus, we'll Lotus get into that. I'm sure. Look it up. Anyway, they totally even released a version in British Racing Green with, I think, like some kind of Lotus tie-in. Highly offensive. Anyway, continue. <laughs> okay. So that's my point. So today's episode of Beat the Blank is the blank is the Mazda Miata. Okay. Beat the Mazda Miata. So what we're going to do, so I've looked up the basics on Mazda Miatas, because that's as far as I care to look at them. Because when I yep. think of Mazda Miata, I still think to the the snotty rich girl in high yeah. school that had Hairdresser. a Miata and it's a girl's car. Like, I am sorry, it's, it, it may be one of the best handling whatevers. To me, it will always be snotty rich girl car. Right To that point, to that point. In the <laughs> Disney movie Cars, Disney Pixar, if you want to get hyper-technical, yeah. there are two Miatas, they're twins, <laughs> called Mia and Tia. Yep. Girls, I'm just saying, yep. just saying. Like, Girl. Even, even be- in a kid's movie, it's it identifies as female. Okay, so anyway. so what, I mean, the benefits to the Miata. We all know a Miata doesn't have a lot of power, right? It's not a power thing. Yeah. It's a four-cylinder. There weren't I think later on they came out with some turbo ones, but like most of the ones you're going to find are going to be four-cylinder non-turbos. They are dirty light. They are super light, which I have found out trying to find something that I would compare it to. They're impressively light. I'll give them that. Okay, so I've got a pen and paper here. What what weight are you calling a Miata at? uh, So 21 to 2,300 pounds. We're talking first and second gen. Okay. when I looked them up, 21 to 2,300 pounds. So really low 2,000 pounds. Obviously, there's a little bit of stripping weight you can do, right? Okay, so yeah. at price, when I looked them up, for a running driving, there are some project Miatas on local classifieds, right? I looked at a couple of different, different locations. Average price was about 4,500 bucks for like a decent running. Something, something you can drive home. Take to autocross, right? And then upgrade from yeah. there. Now, the part okay. that me the most is that looking at upgrades right so if you look at yeah. your basic basic upgrades that you would do to a car right you got suspension exhaust intake and a chip right that's like the the easy bolt-on joe schmo can do without getting super technical for those four things you're only like a thousand bucks on a miata now me coming from the world of jeeps and trucks like that blew my mind i mean we're talking coilovers yeah. All you know, oh, that, in, in that in that thousand dollars, did you? Yeah, you said coilovers are in that. See, that's yeah. what I was gonna. Okay, like e- granted, we're talking eBay coilovers, but they're three hundred yeah, bucks still, for a full set of coilovers. Yeah, that's kind of stupid. 
Yeah, like that's that's the part that blew my mind. So, so what what my challenge today for for you is I know I've done a lot of a lot of thinking and and interneting, but is is yeah, basically I'm, I'm the budget, this. budget is fifty five hundred bucks to beat me off. Okay, fifty five hundred bucks. Fifty five. Okay, so that, let's. Yeah, I mean, because that that's including car and and your basic upgrades. Because wheels and tires, every car is going to get it. They're all going to be fairly similar, right? Racing seats. Yeah. I mean, price wise, it's going to be similar. But the things that kind of set that I figured set me out off is the cheapness of the the bolt on performance stuff. Like, literally blew my mind. I was like, how yeah. is that even possible? But again, I, I come from Jeep and truck world where each coilover. So, so mind blown. Can, but, brief confession time for me. My dad went okay. through a stint where he had like a half a handful of Miatas. And he had one that was lowered on coilovers, had a stainless header, a cold air intake, and a short throw shifter. It, if it hadn't been rhino lined, I would have considered it. <laughs> now, I did drive it around this pasture, and it was seemingly entertaining. Yeah. But you come from the Jeep world. I come from, like, little British car world. And, like, as I'm driving that Miata, I kept it was very reminiscent to little British cars, which is totally the niche that that car was built to fill. Right. So like real quick for the uninitiated, let's run through just some basic mechanic, uh, basic uh, technical characteristics of the Miata. So you got a all four wheel independent suspension, right? Front engine, rear wheel drive. Yeah. Um, front engine, rear wheel drive. Yep. Um, you can get them in a five speed manual. What's yeah. that? Oh, yeah, yeah, you're right. Five-speed manual. Did they do an automatic Miata? Uh, you know, I didn't actually look up that. I looked up a few other specs okay. on them, but I didn't look up a, That's okay. look up a transmission. They option. do have discs on all four corners. Um, it's, a, it's a unibody, which, depending on who you talk to, that's either an advantage or disadvantage. Um, I am aware of the fact that they do sell, like, you know, or subframe stiffeners or whatever for Miatas. Um, but I mean, like weight balance, I would imagine they're pretty decent as far as weight distribution, stuff like that. Um, and then I, that pretty much sums it up, right? I mean, they made the things, they still make them, don't they? Yeah. They came yeah. out like the, the early to mid nineties and ran clear till now. So they've had a pretty good run. So weight wise, if you were to strip a Miata down, how light do you think you could get a Miata? You know, I mean, that's the thing. I, I haven't ever done, right? We did a little bit of, of stripping on the probe. We didn't we didn't weigh anything. Yeah. I don't really know. So they don't have back seats. So you can't yeah, lose that, right? There's not, I mean, you're losing some interior weight. You know, you're losing a little, well, I don't think for, there's a lot of strip out of them though, to be, in my, I mean, I, you, in my opinion, right? Yeah. Do you have to have a roll bar for autocross? Mm-hmm. No, like autocross, you don't have to have anything. You can you can take any car out there. On it. Now, would okay, say, yeah, we probably have something in this thing if I'm going to take it out and um and run it and beat on it, you know. But get crazy with but, it. But far yeah. from required, yeah. Okay, no, no, that's good. I think that 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 lays some pretty solid. So, so the only other. I'm like rapidly scribbling down. Okay. The only other other, uh, fact 
that I have on them is, is the 1.6, which is the first gen engine was hundred horsepower, hundred torque. And the 1.8, which is the second gen motor is 140 horsepower and 120 torque. Um, and also 140 horsepower. Yeah. Yeah. That 1.8, it was, it was a pretty good little upgrade. The other thing, I mean, the thing about the Miata is they're cheap to buy relatively, right? They're cheap to upgrade and yeah. they're plentiful. That's, that's the kicker right there because they were, the that is true. The first gen, the numbers I found was 400,000 first gen Miatas were sold. Holy crap. Yeah. So again, we're, we're going Wikipedia, quick internet search stuff here, but that. Okay, so, so the challenge to you, Joe, what car are you going to build and give yeah. us a breakdown of what you're going to do to it? I guessed on what car you're going to build because I know you and so I have a few you're stats right. on that Yeah. Um, to compare because I looking into it, I think if okay. you're going the same path that I think you're going – you got a good contender here. Okay. Because, see, if I go the direction that I think I, I'm planning on going, which you probably yeah. assume I'm going, I could give you some decent numbers on what the upgrades are going to cost. Because I'm Right. Okay. Them. We're on the same page. So, but the, there, is, there is one fly in the ointment with it. So, anyway, before we progress down that rabbit hole, because I will not stop talking for, like, 15 <laughs> minutes once we get going um, – I'm curious what you Oh, think. see, here, okay. So that's a rabbit hole all in itself. And it's like a whole, that's the whole family of rabbit holes there. So, yeah. Um, obviously, I have an interest in older cars, right? But my, my taste for cars is really yeah. weird. And, okay, my taste in all cars, which you're going to find out here shortly, if you don't know me, is quite weird. And I, I like things that are not super common which I get made fun of a lot by my good friends because I always pick like the worst cars that have like notoriously bad problems. But, and that's why nobody else has them. And I'm like, yeah, I want it because nobody else yeah. does. Right. So ideally, yep. Oh, that's dream totally. world. A Volvo Amazon, right? The 122, the state, the car, right? yes. not the okay. wagon. I like the wagons, but if I'm auto crossing, I'm going to pick the car. Right. The coupe, now my problem right? with that is they're, no horsepower. They're, they're terrible, right? If you were going to do that, you would but, have to like completely change out everything in it. Um, the cars themselves, okay. they're fairly cheap. They're a couple grand for a decent one. Um, so, I mean, I, I, looked in, I, I have personally seen them for sale for like a thousand, yeah, fifteen hundred. Like they're for like easy, easy cheap, right? Um, so you put your standard yeah. older four cylinder. You know, your Ford four cylinders, which is what you and I look a lot at, right? If you did something like that, you could mm -hmm. pick up a motor for 400 bucks. You could eat. I mean, there would be a lot of work and there would be a lot of figuring stuff out, which, which appeals to me because I would be out there in something that nobody else is out there in, right? They would pull up like, what yes. crap is that? Yes. Like, yep. And so, it's, it's nasty looking and there's probably rust and I'm going to go kick your Miata's butt. And that's my goal, right? Is to... To go yep. out and say, nope, I did this. And I mean, there's a lot more sweat equity that you're going to have in a, in a build like that. Well, but I think one point that we're missing with this, though, is if you have a Volvo Amazon that will actually go down the road, it is inherently worth more than any Miata. Right, would go that's down true, the road. too. Like, like a done really, regardless of condition, yeah. right? And that's one argument I try to project or one point I try to project whenever I get talking about doing stuff like this is 
if you start with an old car and can get it to a point where it's competitive, it will hypothetically speaking here, continue to appreciate in value where say a Miata will probably, it's probably got a few years of depreciation before it gets old enough and obscure enough that you really see that curve start to turn. Right. Back. I don't, yeah. I, that's, I mean, they are, they do seem to be going up a little bit, but again, there's so many of them out there. Um, you know, it's. That you can get a, a economical example. From yeah. Relative okay. Issues. So, so that was my initial thought. Right. And then I thought, okay, for me to be competitive with a Miata, right. Sure. You can have a dream build and sure. There's a lot of theoreticals with my Amazon build. It would yeah. be great. But if I want to go buy a car that I can take out and, and more or less race in a stock condition and have a good time. So, right. I started thinking about that and I ended up in your, you know, nineties, similar, similar year range to Miata's eighties to early two thousand stuff. Right. So let me run a couple cars by you that yeah. I, that I came up with that I would, that I would choose before I chose a Miata. If I, they were side by side, similar condition, similar price. I got a list that I would choose before a Miata, right? First one, yeah, BMW Z3. Okay, now they are a little more, right? Oh, yeah. They are more like they're well, not a lot. They're like you can still find them for four to five thousand dollars, or again, a decent running one, and you still have yeah, long nose, front engine, rear wheel drive. Uh, you know, the BMW is going to have some nicer up, nice upgrades on it. You know, it's going to have disc brakes and stuff. Okay, so then I started looking at weight. Now again, I think with the higher end cars, you're going to have more weight that you can strip off right a miata is already pretty bare bones yeah it's not a lot of weight on that bmw has probably got 100 pounds and sound deadening. so they range 2500 to 3000 pounds so you've still got a thousand five hundred to a thousand pounds you've got to lose out of that car which is a lot right but you're gonna have a little bit more horsepower going into it as well and still a fairly i would say light car do you have do you have a number on that with the outdoors? Uh, the horsepower. Let me uh, yeah. let's let's do it quick. I've got the <laughs> I've got the Googles here in front of me. Let's see. I, I did look it up and I thought I wrote it down. I wrote down everything's weight, and for some reason I didn't write down anything's horsepower, which I don't know. Weight was more important. I, mean, I guess I probably figured that uh, horsepower is not a thing with Miatas, so it probably doesn't really matter. <laughs> Is that wrong of me to, to judge a judge like that? So, uh, no. so okay, hundred um, for the first gens, hundred and twenty. Um, yeah, hundred and twenty horsepower, hundred and fifty for the two oh. It's already a ninety nine two thousand. They go. I mean, they go up pretty quick. But for that, I mean, ninety five to two thousand is where you find that kind of price range. You're hundred twenty to one hundred one hundred fifty horsepower. But they had a six-cylinder in them, didn't they? Uh, inline four. Inline six comes in the later ones. Really? So we're talking the old ones are inline four. Um, okay. So it does have an inline four. Okay, my I will I will retract my judging <laughs> Inline six starts, and that's when you get like 170, 185, 190 horsepower out of those. Okay, that, that oh, no, sounds no. more Okay, like sorry, I got to keep expected. scrolling here. They came with multiple options. There's either a four-cylinder or a six-cylinder. So you can have uh, the older... 
But honestly, a four-cylinder would probably be better for autocross because you might be able to rev it a little higher and it might be a little lighter. And it would probably be cheaper. Would be, right. I'm just sure right. The ones you find that price range are probably going to be the four-cylinder. So, I mean, fairly even. It is heavier. You know, and, and your upgrade stuff's probably not going to be as dirt cheap. But I... And, and I mean, BMWs, right? We learned from Top Gear that, that BMWs are for tools, but I would choose that. That's that's car number one that came to yeah. my mind of like Miata-esque looking, small, two-door, tiny thing, right? Um, my next pick is a, yeah. is a two-parter because it's the same car, whether you want it German or American, and that is the Chrysler Crossfire slash Mercedes SLK, right? And again, we're talking... Ah. Yeah. A little bit older ones, but they came with the V6 in them. They have a little bit more horsepower, um, weight on them. Again, you're in that 3,000 pound range. I really like crossfires. I, I, I'm a Dodge guy, no matter what I do. Every time I go back, I look at myself and I say, I am cognizant of I this. I say, What's fact? wrong yeah. with me? And then I go look at Dodges again. Don't know why. Um, okay. So, yeah, I don't, you know, some, some people have drug <laughs> habits. Um, and, I don't think you could ever talk me into a Dodge anything, really. <laughs> okay, anyway. so we'll come back to the Crossfire. But next one, one I've already owned before, and I still think I would – I hated the car, but I'd still pick it above. Do yeah. I take a guess? Go for it. Can I take a guess? Porsche 944. I, I was so disappointed driving that car, Got and it. I think I'd probably feel similar <laughs> in a Miata, but it was so underpowered, and it was – I just ah, – I didn't like it, but I, again – you can buy those for that similar price range. I think I sold mine for like two grand, right? It was running, driving, um, fairly decent shape. Uh, again, you're about 3,000 pounds on that one. Um, and then I went down a road that I didn't want to go down, but I ended up there. And that is your favorite, my least favorite, 80s, 90s car, optional V8. What is it? The Flip and Fox Body Mustang, man. And the more I looked into it, the more I hated them because That's... they're 2,700 pounds and you can get them with a V8. And Shut up. Yeah, they light. are. And I, I hate everything about them. But if you want it, they're cheap. They're dirt cheap. There's tons of them out there. They um, are. And, they... and you know what? Most of the ones you see for sale already have a motor <laughs> pulled out of them. So you have kind of a blank yeah. canvas. Yeah. Just saying. Because all these people have an aversion to the 2.3 Lima which I radically right. love, but because I think if you were to go down that road, 2.3 Lima would probably outperform 5.0 in this setting. Yeah, I mean, you can't, if, if right? assembled like, correctly. You've got it's autocross is short bursts of speed. You're not carrying down the speed through stuff. Yep. You know, the, the torque of the V8 might help, but then you get the weight of the V8, so... No, I, I think that's why the you know, the yeah. Miata is good in that situation as well, because you don't have to depend on the high horsepower. Like it never gets there in any of the, the yeah. racing. So, yeah. um, so that was kind of the last one I looked at, and again, all of them because, and that was kind of my list of things before the Miata. Because, granted, all of them are around the twenty five hundred to three thousand pound mark, right? They're all um, similar weights yep. and similar. they're all super heavy. What's is that? What you're saying. <laughs> I said they're all super yeah. heavy is what you're saying. Finding right something that's that light that's not British is impossible. 
I think I, you're I looked right. a little yeah. bit. I, I dabbled in the British, but I thought, you know what? Joe's going to play British games, so I'm going to let him do that. I'm going to look at other stuff. So, <laughs> and then the the biggest Fair surprise enough. to me, and the last one on my list that I stumbled on, not even under knowing why, um, Pontiac Solstice. Do you remember the Pontiac Solstice? Okay, I do. So, yeah, it's Saturn Sky. Yes, and Pontiac and. Uh, it's pretty much a domestic Miata. It is. So because you, they had a two liter that actually made decent. Yeah, the horsepower. GXP, and it was a turbocharged one. Okay, now the GXP is is going to be yep. big money, but for a base model Solstice or Sky, there was one on there for twenty nine hundred bucks, running and driving, looked crap. clean, black convertible. I mean, it's not the best looking car. It's kind of a funky little car. I wouldn't ever have picked it. It just like Facebook Marketplace understood that I was making bad decisions that had two doors and long noses. And ta-da. So I started looking them up. And the the hard thing about that, there is a decent amount of them out there, but they go from, you know, $3,000 up to like $15,000, depending on what package you get. And, you know, if the guy who owns it, really special right yeah. um the other thing about them though, they're all fairly low mileage they're all like they you know they were all bought as like by old men who wanted a weekend cruiser right so anyway, that was the one that kind of caught yep. me off guard i was like huh that would be interesting to show up in and the fact that you can get under five thousand dollars there's multiple options like and i was really surprised but yeah so going back to it because i make bad decisions and the worst car on the list Chrysler Crossfire, if I were to go out and buy one today, I would buy that and I would start. <coughs> and I don't know. So you're going, you're going Crossfire. I'm going, if right? I'm going a car that is more compatible to the Miata that I can buy and drive today, I, was, I would buy the Crossfire. Yeah. I have a weird love affair okay. with the Crossfire. And scalable, talking scalable, Joe, Joe's, Joe's scalable mentality Five point seven liter Hemi's, they're cheap now, and yeah, Holly came out with a kit that makes it more like of a standalone type setup. They have the computer and everything. You plug it in there. Wow. I found a couple of videos of people shoving them in there, and when you get so, so my my logic is, you buy the Crossfire, you go beat it up. Once you blow up the crappy Mercury motor, which is gonna happen, then. You slap in the crappy 5.7 Hemi, and uh, you still keep the car, but it's a lot heavier oh, yeah. and has more horsepower. And then you can go uh, get into drifting or drag racing or, or just, you know, getting pulled over by the police for doing stupid things on the road. So yeah. that, that's my logic. No, I, I can't fault <laughs> you there. The biggest problem, I the, the, the conclusion I came to, if it's about money, you're not going to beat a Miata because the the – the aftermarket is so dirt flipping cheap. You're gonna be, you know, yeah. Well, not with a not with not a with crossfire. Maybe with the maybe with the fox body can. So <clears throat> that's Kevin's quick rundown of maybe. his terrible ideas that he understands are terrible, and he still is gonna do it. That's how I would beat a Miata was with one of those. Well, how many was there? Eight, eight terrible have cards. A, have a five seven hemi yeah. crossfire. <laughs> <laughs> that's see i went down a hole and then i, I found lava and i just shoved yeah. my head in it and you 
I was gonna say you <laughs> fell into a block of Swiss cheese. I think is what it is. You just like went from one hole to another, and but my point. And my point is, See, now I am I am gonna come across as this like. No, no, no. See, I, I knew you were gonna do that, and I knew that I like can't focus on one thing, and so my point is. If you want to go autocross and you want to do it on fairly cheap and in a similar way, and you don't want to show up in a girl car, there are other options out there that are front wheel or front engine, rear wheel drive, two doors, and you can be cooler than all the guys driving the girlfriend's Miatas. So now that I have talked about Germany and the United States, because those are the only two cars that I can decide to like for some reason. Let's let's go to let's go to England. Let's yeah. go to the old old British office. I'm gonna sound so one-dimensional because I bet every podcast we've recorded <laughs> I have mentioned the Triumph Spitfire. <laughs> but hear me out, okay? I'm gonna give you the, the elevator pitch and then I'm gonna break it down more or less based on what I've done to mine in the hopes of Arguing okay. that before you get into it, before you get into it, okay. do you know how much a Spitfire weighs? Yes. Yes. In fact, I weighed my 68 with me in it. So 1968 Triumph Spitfire with I'm I'm like a buck fifty-five, even though I'm when you're wet, maybe. Tall. When I'm wet. <laughs> no, I I track my weight quite regularly. Don't Hopefully my wife doesn't listen to this, but uh, half a tank of gas, me in the driver's seat on calibrated pad scales when I was working at the armoring place, 1,568 pounds. Hold on, hold on. On average, they say the curb Did you weight... just, you didn't look that number up on the internet? Okay, no, I'm not kidding you. The number I have written down for the was... weight of a Spitfire is 1,568 pounds. To 1,750. So that's what my <laughs> my blue 68 Spitfire with me in it and half a tank of gas, that's that, what it weighed, was 1,500. That's, that's amazing that those numbers are identical. Sorry, I got really hung up on that, but that amazed me when you said that number. No, that, that is quite quite eerie because, I yeah, I was going to say I can do this whole thing without, without getting on the Google one. Um, so my quick question so, to you, most – most of what you're about to say, does it apply to like MGs? Um, no, no. Here's 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 the sticky part, and I can I can throw out some differentiating clarification points if that helps. So the Triumph Spitfire is kind of an anomaly because its direct competitor, even you know its its sister from England, was the MG Midget. Now, the MG Midget is actually a foot shorter than the Triumph Spitfire, but about the same track width and everything. But that foot comes out of a door. So getting in and out of a Midget <laughs> sucks. Where a Spitfire, you have that like 11, 12 inches yeah. in the door. I still, I mean, I've had half a dozen of them, and I've driven a couple of them actually on the road. I never opened the door. I just always stepped over the door, but I have like a 34-inch inseam, so... It's no big deal to just step onto the driver's seat, slide under the steering wheel. And, and you're talking about a midget. Um, no, I'm a talking Spitfire. about a Triumph Spitfire. The midget, you can't even do that in a midget. <laughs> like it is, the configuration is a lot more obscure. 
But the downside to like a midget or even an MGB is considerably yeah. larger. So the closest competitor would be like the midget or Austin Healey Sprite, which they're actually the same car. They had a solid rear axle with leaf springs, number one. And number two, they're actually a unibody. So when it comes to this scenario, like really with the catalog of old British cars that are out there, I really think the Spitfire is, is like the, the, the perfect candidate to do this with. Um, so basic specs you got, I would go with a 67, 68. And this is mostly coming from like legitimate experience. So hopefully I don't sound like a complete buffoon. Uh, what I had the 1296, um, CC four cylinder. Maybe like 65. According to the Googles, 75 horsepower. I mean, 75. Oh, good. It's the 1147 must have had 65. I, I, I don't know which motor. I just, yeah. Maybe. I didn't write that down. I wrote 75 okay. horsepower. But I, I think you're right. So they, they took the same block and punched it out repeatedly. And by the time they got to like a 1.5 liter. So the older, or I guess the newer generation, like the fourth, body style of the Spitfire, they ended up adding like 300 pounds in rubber bumpers and all this other stuff to meet crash yeah. test requirements. The other thing they did was actually raise the front of the car two inches to hit the minimum bumper height. So if you go down this tangent, you got to be like, I would say like 67, 68, 69, because it's the last of like the chrome bumpers, but before it got overly molested by the US regulations. So um, with the Spitfire, you actually have a, a body on frame design. And the funny thing is they actually bolt the body to the frame. Like there's not body bushings or anything. There's like aluminum washers. Um, all, all four-wheel independent suspension, so they actually have an independent rear end. They, the Triumph Spitfire, actually had an independent rear end before the Corvette, if I recall correctly. Anyway, front disc brakes, rack and pinion steering. It's got dual A-arms up front. The downside to the rear suspension is it's got a swing arm axle, but if you lower it, you can get that geometry to play ball to where it'll actually handle considerably better. Um trying to think what else front engine rear wheel drive manual transmission only came with a four speed you couldn't get anything else with it um and you could probably hypothetically speaking if you were to go to like a light racing seat um take the bumpers and stuff off you could probably get one under 1500 like i said i had one i had one fully dressed with me in it and I was under sixteen hundred pounds. Yeah. Stock for stock. Uh, so interior. Oh, horsepower to weight comparison between a Miata and my numbers I have in a Spitfire are the exact same. So even though you do have less horsepower, yeah. you have the less weight, and it's like generally you got your power weight. to weight ratio is identical between the two of them. Um, yeah, and you've got a cast iron motor in the Spitfire. Yeah, you got some weight to lose if if you decide to go down that route. Yeah, so fantasy build. Fantasy build go. under fifty five hundred bucks. I would put. Yeah, you can get 
a Spitfire, like a running Spitfire from eighty yeah. twenty. So when I looked them up, the project ones, like if you especially if like if you're planning on swapping the motors, they're a thousand bucks. There's a couple of them with a thousand. Yeah, I was gonna say if you get one without a motor, yeah, yeah. you're even like, cheaper. There was a so pristine would... looking clean one on there. The like stickers and everything had been redone, and it was only five grand. And it was like, it was done yeah. nice for five grand. Like, or if you're gonna well, find a sixties anything done nicely for five you can't yeah like anything anymore so like a year ago a year ago i did all poly bushings in my suspension and it was like a hundred dollars and that was like tip to tail everything brand new polyurethane suspension components um tie rods are like two for ten dollars like the parts on these things are so stupid cheap um so this is how i would do it i would get like a base, we'll, we'll call it thousand bucks for my base car, okay. right? All poly bushings. Um, so you're a hundred bucks for poly bushings. Um, and that would tighten up your suspension and redo the trunnions, the ball joints, the tie rod ends, steering rack boots, um, all that crap. You probably maybe, and I would say you could even throw in your like, U joints for your rear end and stuff for probably yeah, another whole bucks. like kind of refreshing on the brakes. Right? Yeah, you could do brakes, um, braided stainless lines, all that jazz for probably another hundred bucks. And then if I would get, you can actually get um, later model lowering springs that are like. They're two inches lower on the later model, but they're only one inch lower on the the earlier models, but they're considerably yep. stiffer. And they're like six, 60 bucks for a brand new <laughs> pair of springs. And then with the remaining $40 of that $100 bill, I would get a rear lowering block machine, which you can find the blueprints for them online for free. I know because I've done it twice. Um, and so that gets my platform set, right? You don't have to worry about body bushings because the body's bolted directly to the frame. Um, rip all the interior out. And most of it's just cardboard wrapped with vinyl anyway. The fun thing with the Triumph Spitfires, you can actually undo two nuts under the dash on the early models and take the whole windshield off. So that right there is like yeah. 40 pounds you could probably lose. Yeah, you're... So pull the bumpers, windshield, all that comes off. Um, now, first gen Focus ZTEC, two liter, all aluminum, I think like 130 hey, horsepower. Spot on, 130 okay. horsepower. Ah, see, one of those could be had for say, we'll, we'll say 500 You're, you're bucks good. I, I have to Google these things. And I, I had 400 bucks when I wrote it. When I looked them up, 400 bucks. <clears throat> no problem. See? And I would home build an intake with a carburetor on it. I wouldn't even get fancy. I would carburate the dang thing. Um, there is actually information out there where you can build a standalone ignition module for those for like 100 bucks. And then I would get like a Fox body Tramic T5 or something. It could even be the four-cylinder transmission. Might take a little bit of diddling with the transmission to get the bell housing to play ball. But you could probably get one of those transmissions for, say, $300. <clears throat> and 
And then what's say another hundred dollars for random odds. Yep. Okay. At that point, you are probably coming in under 1500 pounds. You've got 130 horsepower. It would probably handle just as well, if not better than the Miata. And it's physically dimensionally smaller than the Miata. So you're probably, I'm going to guess 12 inches shorter than a Miata and probably six to 10 inches narrower. So again, so going to mind the Google numbers, you're, you're pretty close, but I'm, I showed, and I don't know where they're measuring from, 89 inches long on a Miata and 83 yeah. inches long on a Spitfire. And I don't know, I don't yeah, know what bumpers that's on the Spitfire. That's probably the wheelbase. the wheelbase. I think that's the wheelbase. And then width, and I don't know where to measure. His tip to tail. The width was 66 versus 57, so 10 inches narrower on a Spitfire, which is substantial. Yeah, yeah it is. So that means you have five inches on each side that you can get closer yeah. to those cones. Yeah, I mean, in the world of autocross, like you are—that's a lot nimbler than a Miata, which is, which is weird to say, like, right? <laughs> yep, no joke. If you had this this like setup, you would probably like dominate. Yeah, you're... and if you wanted to get real crazy. You could take and put a fuel cell in the passenger seat, put your battery and fuel cell right where the passenger seat would go, and you would probably have some, like, terrifying weight distribution at that point. Because even a bone stock, a Spitfire had almost, it was like a 4951 weight distribution out the door. Like, they were, they were not anything to sneeze at, even though they, you know, were this dinky little car. And by today's standards, they got almost 40 miles per gallon. So you got that going for you too. So I'm going to tally up okay. what I wrote down. And we're going to see what we came out the door at. So I've got 2400 bucks is what I'm going to I mean, right there, there is some more labor, right? There is some know-how to get. If, if you do, there, oh, there's, there right? is labor, yeah. But like, again, <laughs> showing up. In a like raced out looking, a little bit lower, a little bit reasty sounding Spitfire is going to get way more attention than being the another dude with duct taped on Miata bumpers, like smashing it around, right? Yeah. There, there's a certain oh, yeah. amount of, of class that's going to come with, with that. And just, I don't know. I just, it just, again, the simplicity of the Miata is hard to beat. But were you even starting up? Point was even starting with a with the Spitfire, you're not far off from a Miata right from the get go. You're pretty much even, Stephen, with a decent Spitfire. Because yeah. even if even if you took a stock motor out of a Spitfire, there's I mean you can get cams and different carburetors and stuff. But um, yeah, I mean even if you just took it and you know, put a bigger carburetor on it and a better exhaust, you could probably get it to breathe a little better and try to pull some weight out of it. No, I mean, that's what I was saying for 5,500 bucks though. You're doing a few things to it to make it go. And that's stuff that like the normal Joe can, can bolt on, right? That's stuff that, that you, yeah. you know, normal tools, a little bit of dedication, you can do it. All it's really simple. I mean, the suspension is the most difficult. And even that is... <clears throat> It's fairly basic if, if you spend a weekend on it, right? It's um, 
Well, I was going to say, if, if you were to compare it to a Miata, I would say that the Spitfire is almost more simplistic sure. from like a mechanical standpoint. I mean, I, I like overhauled one at the age of like 16 and like zero mechanical knowledge. My dad helped me a lot. I'm not discrediting that element. But like for me to gain that understanding of how that stuff worked, it was actually an amazing car to start with because the whole nose flips up. So it looks more that way, right? But uh, um, when you flip that up, you have access to the entire steering, the whole front suspension. So it's all laid out right before you. So it's real easy to understand what does what and how it works because you can see every inch of it. Yeah. Anyway, that was my rant there. But, um, but that's kind of like with the Spitfire that I've been working on. Granted, it has a little bit bigger motor than that, but in its second incarnation, I actually put a Toyota Corolla, like a 78 Corolla 1588, it's like a 1.6 liter um, four-cylinder in it. And this thing was like clapped out, but it was like borderline drift car with that motor in it. And it was not an astronomical bump in horsepower but it would just like knock those back tires loose without even trying. Like it was crazy. Um, so I think even with a stock motor, you could, and I've driven two of them with stock motors. They're still fun with the stock motors. And I think with those dimensional differences, you know, you might be able to cut corners a little tighter, stuff like that, and probably be just as competitive. Okay. So, so my question I, I agree with you. Like the research I did, I was like, okay, like if you're going to compete with a Spitfire or excuse me, if you're going to compete with a Miata, you're going to be in a British car. Like, okay. So yeah. my, my bigger question is, okay. So you are a little bit more limited on your options. They're out there. Every time I do a search for them, there's always some for sale. Right. But oh, yeah. could a very similar process be applied to an MGB or a midget or a Fiat 124 uh, Spider, right? Oh, absolutely, absolutely. The thing is that that everything you just named, and I, I like that you brought up the Fiat because you had like the Fiat and the Alfa Romeos. Um, there was MGs, Austin Healy's Triumphs. That's what the Miata was a nod to. And I will admittedly say I just opened up the Miata Wikipedia page, and there's an interesting line in here. That I would like to read <laughs> verbatim. And it says, uh, launched at a time when production of small roadsters had almost come to an end. The Alfa Romeo Spider was the only comparable volume model in production. Just a decade earlier, a host of similar models, notably the MGB Triumph TR7, which is kind of a garbage car, but Triumph Spitfire and Fiat Spider had been available, which they left the midget off, which I find sad. But like, how are those cars? did not experience the same fanaticism as the Miata. I I don't either. And going like, beyond Miata and Spitfire, like in general, British cars here don't, I mean, they don't do as well as Japanese cars, right? They do, and that's what kills me. Cause like people throw these things away. And it's like when you actually look at what they are, what, what's underneath them, the wiring is garbage, number one. But like 
their motors were nothing to sneeze at, but it's it's a solid platform, I guess, yeah. is what I'm getting at. Because even if you took, I mean, you could take, like I said, a Ford Focus motor or even a, there are people that have taken the auto motors and dumped in these cars. And that right there in and of itself would be a dangerous combination. Like you want to beat a Miata, go pull a 1.6 liter Miata motor out of something, drop it in an MG Midget, go autocross with the MG Midget like bone stock and you'll annihilate every Miata you come across because just in doing that, you shaved like a thousand. Yeah, pounds that, I was surprised you know how I mean? light that car is. I did not realize because everything else I looked up, I got everything else I looked up was a little bit newer. But even like the Volvo Amazon still 2,300 pounds, like getting something. Yeah, I was surprised. That yeah, they they're, kind of, they're kind of big turds, but. <clears throat> they are bigger. They're, I mean, and that's the thing, like an MGB is probably comparable to a Miata as far as like the d- physical dimensions of it. But really, like when you look at a Spitfire and a Midget, the only way you could get into something sporty smaller than that would be like the original Mini Cooper. Like once you get to that level, but like I said, you look at the numbers on them, it's staggering to think that that car weighs 1,500 pounds. Yeah, it really. I mean, like that, that's one of the things I found just so comical about the whole thing is it's like, you know, this car came out in 1962. It's really, its peak was like 65 to 69. And like, I, so I pulled up the Wikipedia on it right now. And like, from, they don't even have it by year. They have it by, um, I guess, generation. Yeah. But like the second generation, which is 64 to say 66, they made 37,409 and then 67 to 70. So there you're, you're looking at like a three year chunk, almost 65,320. Like if you were to split that over all three years, you're maybe like a little over 20,000 a year. Like they hardly made yeah. any of these, but, things. but they're still out there. The thing you can still but even, find them. And oh, you get on, you get on uh, an online um, classifieds right now, and there's there's a couple yeah. of them on there. Like there's even a runner, and I like personally, I think I've owned owned seven of them, and the most I paid for any single one was five hundred dollars, and it was actually a running driving card. Now this was like ten years ago, and I bought that one, but still, I mean. It was a 68, so say I bought it and let's we'll say 2008, because I think that was actually when I bought it. I mean, it was a 40-year-old car at that point, but it was running driving for 500 bucks. Like, I mean, it's yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, I don't, I don't understand. I mean, obviously, being around you more, like I've I've grown more akin to British cars and like seeing them and liking them, and it still amazes me that they're. Yeah. I mean, some of them go for more. You you look up some of the MGBs. Some people think yeah. that they're worth fifteen thousand dollars, but like at the same listing, you have one that's on there for three thousand dollars. You know, and so price does fluctuate yep. a lot on them. But I just, yeah, I mean, if you're looking, I'm surprised you don't see more out there because they're cheap enough that like, yeah, they're somewhat rare. Yeah, they're they're classic, but like, 
they're cheap enough to work on and cheap enough to have. Like, I'm surprised you don't see more of them out there doing stuff. Oh, yeah. And it, it's it's really bizarre, too, because, like, when I decided to put the 2-3 in mine, trying to find – I mean, there's a handful of people that have done it. But it's – I'm trying to think of a delicate way to put it. It's almost like they didn't care about the car when they were sticking the motor <laughs> yeah. in it. And it made me sad because I'm like, you got this thing. Like, at least take a little bit of care with it. But I, th- I think the only thing I can figure is for a long time, they must have just been like a throwaway car. And that's why they just never hit that, yeah. that peak. Because, I mean, even fully restored, if I see like a fully restored Spitfire for like 10 grand, I'm like, oh, they think that thing's made out of gold. You know, like... I still don't associate like a high level of value to them, but I mean, in this context, I, it's worth its weight in gold, quite literally. Like, and that, that's what blows me away. Cause it, I think it's, it's a, a grossly overlooked um, demographic of vintage or old car. Right. Yeah. And it's cause everybody wants, you know, V8s and whatever, but it's like, you know, even the Miata has proven that a four-cylinder can get it done and you can have lots of fun in something with, you know, 2,000 pounds and 100 horsepower. I used to always play that game with people I knew about power-to-weight ratio, right? Like, well, you get a muscle car with like 500 horsepower, well, take a little British car and put a 120 or 200 horsepower in it. Like, which one's really going to be yeah. more fun? Yeah, and I mean that's the thing is that if you can't use all that horsepower either, you know, and and in, in the world of autocross, yeah. like you don't want all the horsepower because then you've got to figure out how to keep it to the ground, right? Like there's that fine. Well, and how to get power. into that range as yeah. quick as you can. Yeah. So I saw I went to one. It was, they called it British Field Day. It was like a big British car show that they did down in Salt Lake. I, I, this is probably 10, 15, 10 years ago, maybe. Anyway, it doesn't matter. But they were, they had a, like a real ghetto autocross course set up and they were letting people take their cars down it. And there was a Sunbeam yeah. Tiger. And I watched that thing attempt the autocross course. Now, this was a car that originally had a four-cylinder and this was Carol Shelby's first endeavor in shoving a V8 in a British car, which, fun fact, the AC Cobra was originally a British car. Um, but they put like a 260 small block Ford V8 in these Sunbeam Alpines. And they're about the size of an MGB. So it's, you know, not a teeny, teeny car, but still a small car. But watching that thing go around the track, you could phys- like visibly see the weight in the front <laughs> end of that thing. Like he would take hard corners and the one front corner is almost rubbing the tire and it's almost picking the other opposite back tire off the ground on some of those corners. And it was like, well, that's neat. But like, yeah, in that, in that context, it almost becomes unusable. Like there were never any sections long enough for him to really get it revved up to where he could utilize the power. And instead he's just wandering around with this huge heavy yeah, motor. That, the lug, the big old engine around. Huh? And it, it was, Yeah. And it, like that's like burned in my memory, just like watching that, going, "What the heck?" Because when I first got my Spitfire, I can't tell you how many people were like, "Oh, put a V8 in it." I'm <laughs> like, what? Like that doesn't make sense. 
But so anyway, yeah, that's I I liked this podcast. And yeah, I, I think that what we've proved is <laughs> is if you if you want something unique and you're willing to put a little bit of work into it and have a little bit of an imagination, a British car of your choosing, you know, there's a there's a few styling cute differences in them. Oh like, yeah, would be amazing. I mean, there's there's half a dozen different ones that would fit this criteria, yep. right? I mean, and they're all they're all you know unique in their own way. But yeah, I. Well, I would, no, it's just going to be a bombshell at this point because I got on uh, classifieds and there's a '98 SLK for two thousand bucks running and driving. See, I, I still, even though you've proven your point that you choose a British car and buy it, or you just buy a Miata and quit being a baby about it. I just found a cheap Mercedes. There's also yeah. a crossfire with a blown engine for only 700 bucks. And then you get, to, so $700 car, you get your $500 handy, you put your thousand yep. dollar chip on it. A few more modifications, you know, you're five grand and you got a V8 powered crossfire, which Joe just proved to us is going to be too much engine for a car. And you can't, <laughs> That's it. <laughs> and I just I don't learn. So save that for like the, the drag racing episode. <laughs> I just don't learn and I don't know why. So so don't put the five seven in it. Get like uh SRT four. An eco boost and shove in there. SRT there you now you are <laughs> speaking my language because I like yeah. matchy things, right? Like dodge and dodge. If you put an STR it's four S- in that thing, oh, that I know you hate be... dodges, but it's SRT. Oh, <laughs> S- SRT. I'm sorry. I don't even know what I said there because I was getting so okay, excited sorry. about you put the an idea. SRT four in it because that would be that would be a formidable autocross car at that point because that would probably make enough horsepower to make that thing. Yeah. I think I think the problem you run with the SRT fours are. I mean, they're in neons, right? Which are always just beat. I don't know if I've ever seen, yeah. you see a few SRT4 neons at car shows that are nice, but they're still revving the crap out of them constantly. But most of the ones you, I feel you see on the road are oh, just yeah. beat they, to death. And they've had hard lives. Yeah. <laughs> and people still yeah, think they're yeah. worth a million dollars in like with parts falling off them. And uh, yeah, there's a, there's a caliber because like, I want Poppy F- our four-cylinder turbo motors. I've looked at SRT4 calibers because it's a tiny Magnum, and I love Magnums. Yeah. But they, they, they are. They're stupid money. And I'm like, come oh, yeah. on. Don't be ridiculous. So, yep. so yeah, that that's uh, is that the end. Do you have anything else, anything else you want to share on Beat the Miata Dream Car Build-Off? Oh gosh, I I mean I think I did a pretty good job trouncing it. Like I really like to button this up, as I have mentioned like sixty-two times already in the sixty-three minutes that we've been recording. Like the one that I'm building is essentially a proof of concept of that whole ideology, yep. right? And I didn't put at the time the focus ZTech was a little outside my operating budget. So I put, you know, a 2-3 Lima, which is the Pinto motor. But, like, I don't know. I am such a proponent of that idea that, like, not only are you making something that would be, like, obscenely fun in this context, but you're also almost preserving a piece of history yep. at the same time, right? Like, that's, 
that's kind of the other part that makes me happy. Like my Spitfire I've had for 20 years, like there's a lot more of an emotional tie to it, but like, I still like, that's my fantasy. Every time I see a little British cars, it's like, you know, you threw a newer all aluminum four zone in that thing without changing anything else. It would be formidable in a number of contexts. Let's do it, Joe. Let, let, let's finish the Spitfire and then we can actually live the dream car build off here. And then I'll just sit in the GT6 and make vroom vroom noises while you actually drive your car. And we'll both. Hey, there's a, there's a Z3 on KSL See? for 700 bucks. They're there. You just buy them. You do a little bit to them or you See? let them sit in your driveway like I do. And your wife eventually said it's time to sell things. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's back to what you were saying before. I think I think once we get that like that functioning, that will be an entertaining experiment because that's really going to tell the tale. And even with that car, I've tried to go to great lengths to. I want to keep it as close to fifteen hundred pounds yeah. as I can, even though I've doubled the displacement. Everything I have read. That two three Lima is only forty pounds heavier than the original cast iron motor yeah. that came out of it. So I'm hoping by whittling, like there's no more heater and all this other stuff. Maybe, and I've shoved the motor further back, so I'll get better weight distribution. But I'm hoping when everything's said and done, it'll be close to around that fifteen hundred pound mark. Okay, well. I, th I think you've proved your point. I think you win. You win this competition because I, I mean, I admit that I like crappy German cars and American covers on crappy German cars. <laughs> so I think we successfully beat Clank, which is the Miata on this episode, with the British. I, I feel so satisfied. <laughs> Good. <laughs> okay, well, if, if you like this episode and you want to hear some more, let us know. And if you have an idea for something you'd like to hear us ramble on about to beat another car in another situation, let us know. And if you think we're completely oh, okay. wrong and Miatas are the greatest thing ever made, keep your opinion to yourself because nobody cares. It's a girl car. Yeah. Are you going? And uh, always, as always, follow us on all the social medias at The Project Tears. Um, you know, let us have any questions. And if you want to share your car stories with us, let us know and we will gladly talk to you. But I think that'll end this episode. And thanks, Joe, for, for proving an awesome point and making me love British cars a little bit more. Yeah. Hey, any any time I can say the word triumph spitfire more than three times in a conversation <laughs> I'm having. So. Okay, well, have a good one. <laughs>